1: English You're so listening to too A Mamma Mia podcast
0: From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix
1: Hi, I'm Laura Bradnick, the entertainment editor at Mamma Mia
0: And I'm So I work at Mamma Mia's social media agency called Social Squad And it is our 200th episode Oh, my God,
1: I forgot about that. Oh, I was going to say we should have mimosas for our morning meeting next time. We'll do that at our time, 300th episode.
0: <laughs> what a wild ride it's been. I am so proud of
1: us. This is so exciting. Oh, very exciting.
0: On the show today, it's been 20 years since the release of Center Stage. So how did it become such a classic? think he's an idiot for not treating you well. Whatever you feel, just dance it. And it's Weekend Watch Time where we tell you what you should be watching this weekend. Cause you're to kick off the show today, international pop superstar Katy Perry was the guest judge on last night's episode of The Master Chef reboot. Some may see this as an unlikely choice, but Katy's hit track "Hot and Cold" has been the theme song for Master Chef since the show started 12 years ago. And boy, oh boy, she did not disappoint, delivering a perfectly timed risqué joke. Will you cut my meat for me? i cut your meat for you. Aww. Aww. <laughs>
1: Should we put a little of the catch? Oh yes! <laughs> oh, oh yeah! Yes! One leaf. Yes! Oh my God! Party in my mouth.
0: Put it <laughs> in my mouth, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you don't see is Jock Zomfrillo's very shocked face at what Katy Perry has just sung um, to him in a funny but provocative way. Um, so what had happened is Katy was on and. Um, In the name of her hot and cold track, they were challenged to whip up a meal that offers heat, but it also has to have a cold element. And Sarah's dish had been put in front of her, which she, you know, of course, Katy Perry couldn't cut it up. She sprained her you know, thumb being fabulous and being pregnant. So Jock very kindly cut it up, and then was met with that sexy little jingle.
1: Yeah, there's been such a big reaction to Katy Perry being on the show, and I don't think it has. There's no issue there with the fact that she doesn't have any culinary experience. That we're, we're aware of, she has a one of many talents. So you know, she could be a chef for all we know. But I think because she is just, she is like the ultimate performer and show pony, and so I, I feel feel like she would have had no kind of background knowledge of anything. But she just came in and does what she does best, which is put on a show in her character of Katy Perry which is like a character she's created for the stage so not only did she ask um, Jock to feed her and open her mouth but she also started doing like a booty dance when she tasted Poe's food and she also fashioned and a lot of people were like where was she going with this she picked up a um, napkin and started fashioning it to something and placed it to her chest and said you're the tits Reese when she tasted his food so she had all these little gimmicks on going and they were all just laughing and it was just a, a really good moment of TV. I think so too. So the episode was quite chaotic
0: because of her. She was literally like a tornado ripping through there, you know, like high energy, not afraid to do a little tongue-in-cheek Um, have a little bit of fun with the cast but Reese, he lost his mind over meeting Katy Perry he'd like seen her in 2011 and basically had a complete meltdown just forgot how to act like a normal human being
1: yeah and the cast would have been sitting on this for a while because it was Katy Perry was here in um earlier in the year and she kind of came just as the COVID-19 restrictions were starting to take place remember she did her concert tour and then she was put into isolation in Sydney I believe and then she had to get on a flight she had to get on a flight last minute I think most chef was probably the last, one of the last things she filmed. She just squeezed it in before she had to get on an emergency flight home um, and go into quarantine back in America because she is pregnant. So, yeah, it definitely was a whirlwind trip. They just kind of got her in that last moment before the world changed.
0: Well, it was definitely – very smart having her on. Obviously, a massive win for the ratings. But they aren't really in need of a boost, really, because they're going so well with this new rebooted season.
1: Yeah, but I think because they knew with the original judges leaving and bringing in the new trio of judges that they really had to stuck this season with a lot of kind of currency like that. Because, because before it actually started airing, they had no idea if fans were going to embrace the new judges right. or the former, especially because there had been a decline in the MasterChef ratings leading into this season. But this season, um, each episode has averaged around 1.45 million viewers per episode, wow. which is way above Channel 10's expectations, even though the expectations were high for the show. And it's actually the number three regular series so far this year, just behind Married at First Sight, which we expected. And Lego Masters, which is yes, the surprise, LEGO <laughs> the surprise reality TV, t- wholesome reality TV show that comes in like a tornado in the ratings every year and knocks everything else out. But yeah, people have really embraced the new um, judging panel and even though Channel 10 really did try and like kind of stuck the season a little bit by bringing back past contestants so that we kind of felt some sort of ownership over this season and they also had Gordon Ramsay in the first week, which seems like a while now as a guest judge and he was kind of there I think to like pave the way and just make sure there was something, even if people were turned away by the new judging panel there was some reason for them to tune in this week. So I think all those little kind of caveats really helped, but i think the new judging panel has really cemented this season because those ratings are wildly impressive and yes people are at home a bit more and i think everyone's looking for some comfort tv to watch but i don't think that's quite enough to bring in those numbers
0: yeah go channel 10
1: this is one of our students jody sawyer we have so many promising students this year i find it hard to keep them straight don't worry i won't forget you know who i saw my way in who cooper nielsen
0: jody sawyer Have fun. We'll go for a
1: ride. Did he seem as cocky in person as he is on TV? I heard he hasn't spoken to anyone. He talked to me.
0: It was the year 2000. Sydney had just hosted the Olympic Games. I'm Out of Love by Anastasia was number one on the charts. And the movie that changed my childhood was released. And that movie, Laura Brodnick, was sent to stage. And news that makes me feel so old, but also full of youth it's been 20 years this week since the film came out so it's only right that we do what we do best a little trip down memory lane
1: don't feel old key because it was 20 years ago just feel privileged that you actually got to go see a movie like this in the cinemas because there's no way a movie like this would be made today it would be a straight to netflix deal and you wouldn't get to experience the big screen magic
0: oh you are so right okay i'm (laughs)
1: back i'm back i'm back so I don't know about you, but I went along um, to see the movie, even though, and I know this might hurt your feelings, but the reviews were, te- were quite terrible when it first <gasps> yes! came out. Entertainment Weekly, Variety, all the big hitters at the time just said that it was um, – it had borrowed too many kind of cliched moments from other better dance movies, that the storyline was bad, the dancing was bad, the characters were boring. And so there was completely no hype about it around like around the movie coming out. But I went to see it because I lived in a small town and you went to the movies on Saturday night because there was literally nothing else to do. And <laughs> it was life changing. Like I had not heard cheers from the audience come up like that. Like it's the kind of reaction that people watching a Marvel movie would have today.
0: I love that you always bring Marvel back into it. <laughs> Yeah, look, I remember watching it on repeat with my cousins growing up. Like I was such a massive dancer when I was younger and just loved being on stage and was just so obsessed. I never did ballet, but like you didn't need to do ballet to just <laughs> Oh god, love no, it so I certainly much. did it. <laughs> oh, completely. So just to and for anyone that has been living under a rock, which I was horrified to hear that some of um our co-workers had never seen the movie. And I'm like,
1: okay, that is a bloody travesty. We were talking about how to cover on the website this week and a whole bunch of the junior staff members were like, what's Center Stage? I've never heard of it. And so I kind of lost my cool with them and I'm like, that's it, when we're all back in the office, we're having an (laughs) educational movie night, we're having a test, we're having a written assignment because I cannot live in a world with colleagues who don't know what Center Stage is.
0: I agree. God, it should be a requirement to get a job. Anyway, so if you don't know the backstory, it tells the story of 12 young dancers that have been handpicked to train at the American Ballet Academy in New York, which is loosely based off the School of American Ballet. There's lots of love triangles, there's betrayal, there's some redemption arcs, and the high energy dance sequences.
1: Oh, yeah. So, something that was in this one of the reasons that people thought the movie was going to tank and why the studio wasn't very invested in it is that when they first signed off on the script, it was meant to be a bit more of a generic dance movie. They were going to get a lot of big name, kind of young, cool TV stars, put them in the movie, use doubles for them so they didn't have to dance. And the movie was originally called The Dance Movie. Just let that sink in for a second. Oh, God. And then, exactly. Um, But then the director, Nicholas Hunter, refused just to have Hollywood names in it and he's like the, the I'm going to actually go out to dance to schools and find proper dancers who have been actually living this life who have actually like Amanda Shell as um Jodie Sawyer so she had never acted before but she had like tried to be a dancer and she didn't get into her school and then she did get into the San Francisco Ballet Company and she was doing a showcase with them kind of mirroring Jodie Sawyer's life when they found her for the part so that's what they kind of did was go around and handpick people who were actually dancers and put them in the movie but what that means is that you've got this big movie opening with no big names in the cast which at that which at that time was kind of a death sentence for the movie but that's what ended up making it work is that they're actually all doing their own dancing because we've seen in other dance movies like like Black Swan with Natalie Portman or Save the Last Dance with Julia Styles, especially Save the Last Dance. I'm sorry to say but Oh, God, I know, I know. It's I know. so evident when her body double is dancing and that takes the magic away from it, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I just hadn't really, because obviously we wanted to, to do this as a topic because we're both obsessed. So just doing a little bit of research on it. And, and that was a, my biggest takeaway is obviously that's why it was so good, was because they had such a high caliber of professional dancers. And there were actually three from the American Ballet School and two of them. Played the two leads who were in the love triangle with Jody, which is Sasha Radeski played Charlie and Ethan Stifle played Cooper Nielsen, the superstar yeah. ballet dancer who was an absolute dick, but also super flame and hot <laughs> at the same time. And Ethan and Sasha were actually really close friends. So Ethan had mm-hmm. already got the part and Sasha found out um, and then ended up auditioning for it. So I think like there are some really iconic scenes in there. I think there's that one, um, of course, when they. Obviously they're in a love triangle and Charlie's kind of annoyed at Cooper and they're doing rehearsals for the rock ballet or whatever and they have this kind of dance-off to each other mm. and I know like you can just tell like now knowing that they are friends and would have like danced together for years, you can tell that they would have really, that's why that scene
1: probably did so well. And with the Ethan uh, with Ethan Stifle who played Cooper, a lot of people thought the storyline where the elderly, um, very rich widow sponsors his dance company and gives him all this money because she liked him was um, a bit like you couldn't like you could quite believe it. But that actually happened to him when he was a member of the American Ballet Theatre. He was sponsored by an elder woman who liked the look of him and believed wow. in his dancing and actually gave him money. So that's why it was written into the script.
0: So I know we have to wrap, but I ha- we have to talk about the iconic scene at the end. So the final dance number, which has so many hit songs in it, but most notably I think can Canned Heat. But there are so many memorable outfit changes, but the one, and we had actually discussed this in our pre-plan, of when Mm -hmm. she's in the white tutu and she spins away and it turns into the red. And we had thought that it was actually visual effects, but it's not. I found an article with the costume designer called Ruth Myers saying that they were absolutely obsessed by it and spent weeks going over it and trying to get it right. And in the end, the only way it could be done was using snaps and Velcro. And it would take her 15 minutes between each take to redo the um, garment again to Mm. reset to do the shoot again and she went up to the to the um director and said look it's going to take me 15 minutes each take to redo this is this okay do you want to just use visual effects in the end they en- ended up going with her doing it and she got it down to 10 minutes with lots of people yelling at her in between takes <laughs>
1: <laughs> my favorite moment of the end bit is when she all of a sudden the camera pans up and she's magically in the red outfit which a lot of people hate because they're like oh it's so unrealistic and i'm like it's meant to be a like fantastical musical moment where delete, like the belief in what you're watching is suspended but yes. i did i I read an interview with her the other day and you know how the ballet shoes are red which was a big thing they wanted oh that, yeah that actually she that actually nearly broke her legs with having those shoes because they spray painted them red which meant they were very slippery so when oh, she was god. doing the dance moves she kept slipping over and that's why at the end if you look at that last frame of center stage she's got like a pained look on her face because she's slipped over so many times and she's been doing those spins for 12 hours at that point trying to get that right so my god the head Hecticness of center stage. I, I love it. I know there's a TV show coming out soon. They announced it in conjunction with the 20th anniversary. Gotta say, I'm not going to watch that, but maybe a new generation will find a different version of Center Stage to Love.
0: Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favorite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia! subscribers get unlimited access to MOVE and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for Weekend Watch.
1: Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend.
0: All right, it's Weekend Watch time and I am going first. I'm so excited to share this because I just think it's the best thing on TV at the moment. It is a British comedy and it's on Apple TV Plus and it's called Trying. So it stars, to me, they're quite unknown actress, Esther Smith and Rafe Spell, I think, and they play Nikki and Jason and they unfortunately are unable to unable to have a baby but it's the one thing that they want to do so they end up deciding that they want to adopt but their friends are a little bit dysfunctional their family's a little bit scruble and their lives are quite chaotic and the adoption process as we kind of know is very hard and arduous and and lots is taken into consideration with Lots of background checks and all of that. Like the process is just really intense. And it all kind of culminates after 12 months um, with the adoption panel deciding whether or not they're ready to be parents. So I don't want to give anything away, but it's just naughty British humor about a subject that I don't, you know, we don't really see on TV that much. So there's jokes that are made that haven't been made before and, and, things that people don't really talk about that people are joking about and that, that's my favorite type of comedy so it's a little bit like lovesick on netflix if you like that and if you haven't seen that you should also watch that as well but yeah all episodes are available to watch now on apple tv plus love that what have you got for me now laura broadneck
1: okay i'm really excited about this one so i'm recommending the great which is coming out on oh, the yes. 16th of may on stan so i've had a sneak peek at the first couple of episodes and i just find it so wildly entertaining so it's a very loose very fictionalized retelling of the life of catherine the great my former empress of russia and the story of her arranged marriage to peter the third of russia it stars Elle fanning as catherine and nicholas holt as peter and i both love that we both we know them as very like her as princess aurora and him as like a hero in the x-men Um, franchise but in this they're both playing very against type so Mm. she arrives in Russia to marry him and everything she thought about what her life was going to be like turns out to be completely wrong and so their marriage is like quite a terrible one and so she tries to start like stealing the crown from him and it's this whole kind of interlude of what's happening in this Russian palace and like and it's just really sharp and funny very dark sometimes but the humor between Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt, like they just play off each other so well. Nicholas Holt's Peter is like quite a kind of hard character to watch in some ways he kind of reminds me a little bit of Joffrey King Joffrey from Game of Thrones right. in that really like tyrannical evil king kind of yeah. way so watching them spar is quite good and it's just a really clever way to kind of put a very modern edge on a historical story because it's actually written by um, and executive produced by Tony McNamara so he's the Australian filmmaker who was nominated for an Oscar for best original screenplay for The Favourite which won Olivia Colman yeah. Her yes. Best a- actress, yeah. So, if you loved the favourite, which I do, it was my favourite movies of 2019, so good it's that same really sharp funny wit with really opulent costumes and sets and it's just yeah it's so good i found myself like laughing out loud so many times even sometimes i'm like oh that was a really dark joke i don't know if i should laugh but it's so funny so yeah the the great is coming out on stan may 16th you should definitely watch it (gasps)
0: done and done thank you for listening to the spill today you guys we have our own facebook group where we can discuss all All of the things we discussed today and more, as well as our TV recommendations, what you're getting up to in ISO. So go to Facebook and search The Spill Podcast and join us. We can't wait to see you in there. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation.